today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantan. No suffering is ever meaningless. Every hurt and ache and pain on the road of following Jesus is doing something. It is worth something. On that verse, Piper comments this. Not only is all of your affliction momentary, not only is all of your affliction light in comparison to eternity and the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. feel like there are times that God is distant when you are going through trials? Pastor Ricky will be reminding us that God is never distant, but He is extremely present. He's working within us a greater depth of godliness and character as we walk through trials. Jesus Himself went through severe tribulations and hardships, and it was meaningful suffering that worked out a greater good for all mankind. In the same way, God is using the hardships you're facing in your life for a greater good. Now, here's Pastor Ricky with his continuing study entitled, In Suffering, Rejoice. These two words are beautiful, and they are exactly what these people need in suffering. They're exactly what we need in suffering. First, Peter reminds us that God is our creator. In fact, this, this word creator is the only time this word is used in the New Testament because Peter is highlighting something really specific about God. The fact that he is not a small God who's being batted around by the circumstances of the universe. No, he is the creator of all. He is the architect of all. He designed us. He loves us. He knows us best. And, and when we're tempted to think, listen, this is out of control, God says, no. I'm the architect of all. It's not outside of my control. When we're tempted to think, listen, nobody knows what I'm going through, what I'm experiencing. Peter says, your your creator does. The one who fashioned you and made you knows exactly what you're feeling. And he adds this, faithful. This word, faithful. He is a creator that is not flippant, He does not flee at the first sign of trouble. He is a faithful creator who keeps every one of the promises he makes in the Bible. And listen, what I want to do now is review some of of 1 Peter because all throughout this letter, Peter has been building this case of seeing God as this faithful creator. See, Peter started this letter to these suffering people by first directing their attention not to their circumstances, but upward to the God over them. He says this in verse three of chapter one, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. He he starts this letter by saying, look up. I know you've written to me. I know you've asked for help because you're hurting. But listen, this is the first thing you need to do. Look up. See your God. This God that created you has recreated you and caused you to be born again. This God kept his promise to send you a savior. This God will keep his promises in eternity. But how did this happen? 
How did all of this wonderful salvation story happen? Peter points these people to the clearest evidence of God's faithfulness and commitment to his people. Chapter 1 says this, you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. See, God is so faithful that rather than break his promise to his people, he would shed the blood of Christ. This perfect man who had never sinned, who was the beloved son of God, his blood was poured out because he was faithful, because he refused to break a promise to his people. In chapter three, verse 18, he continues and says this, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God. See, Jesus was the righteous who never deserved suffering. See, Jesus wrote, should never have encountered suffering and should never have entered into suffering because his road contained no sin. And yet what he did on the cross is that he traded places with us. He took on himself our unrighteousness and bore the just and right wrath of God for our sins in our place so that something could happen, so that we could be restored to our faithful creator, God. See, when Peter points us to this faithful creator, we should remember these things. When he says faithful, we should say yes. Surely he has been faithful. And that gives us courage to say he will be faithful still. Brothers and sisters, there is so much we don't understand about suffering. There are many questions we we have in the midst of suffering. And on this side of heaven, some things don't seem to add up in our minds. And we can often wonder, is God really faithful? Is God really in control? What Peter invites us to do is to see our circumstances around us rightly, but to lift our eyes to see who God is, what he has done, and what he has promised. You know, this week, I was talking to Jonathan Matthews about the message. You know, John kind of shared an illustration from another pastor about putting your faith and trust in God. And um, he brought up the point that, that trust in God or faith in God is not turning off your brain so that you're kind of ignoring reality so you can kind of like fake your way to trust or faith. See, oftentimes as Christians, we think, okay, I'm just gonna try to like, la, 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 I'm not gonna think about things. I'm just gonna turn my brain off and then I'll be able to trust the Lord. And that, maybe you got a picture, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you think that's exactly what Christians do. You just ignore the world and just, oh, la, la, la. Like, I'm gonna just pretend that this is all real. But here's the illustration this pastor used. He says, okay, look, say you're losing your vision and you need surgery and you research a a ton and you find the absolute best hospital, the absolute best doctor, the absolute best procedure. Maybe you're super connected, right? You have, your your whole family is a family of doctors and they, they, they hook you up. You're at the best hospital, best surgery, best procedure. And then you're on the operating table. And then they start bringing this equipment around. And then stuff starts coming closer to your eyes and you start to go, okay, okay, I don't know. You start to have doubts. Um, Is this, okay, maybe this wasn't the best idea. What do you do in that moment? Well, what you do 
is you start to think about all the research you've done. You remind yourself this is the best hospital, this is the best doctor, this is the best procedure, and you have to trust. See, you don't block out facts about the world in that moment, because that's not what you need. What you need is facts outside of the immediacy of that moment to give you hope and faith. To, you need to, rather than shrinking your view, you need to expand it to remember all that went into this. And in the same way, rather than, than trying to shut off parts of our minds so we can trust God better, what we want to do is expand the reality of what we're looking at, to remember the whole sweep of creation history, to remember the cross, to remember the promises, to remember who God is in the Bible and who he has been in our lives. And then we, from that perspective, lying on the operating table as it were, can finally trust. See, this is what we need. We need our eyes to look up and take in far more than they can when we look down. And then Peter adds this strange phrase, though. He says, let those who suffer according to God's will. You may be wondering, what, 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 is, what does that mean? That, that seems, it seems almost as though Peter is saying that it is God's will that we would suffer. The phrase means what it means. The suffering of these believers is ultimately, Peter says, according to God's will. Now, as we said before, all suffering is caused by sin. Apart from sin entering the world, there would be no suffering. But we also know that nothing in the universe happens apart from God's will. Will, apart from this architect who holds the universe in the palm of his hand. And this can make us recoil a little bit. The idea that God would use suffering to accomplish anything. I read a, a recent um, article in a popular Christian magazine where the, the author kind of recoils at this idea. And he says this, deep within the background of my faith, there's a buried, fiercely protected trust in a God who is good and an existence that matters. But this core truth doesn't come with the assumption that all things, including all the horrors we might encounter, have a purpose. It doesn't come with a hidden silver lining always knitted into the fabric somewhere if only we can uncover it. No, he concludes, I don't believe that everything happens for a reason. The author is essentially saying, listen, we can't believe that God is sovereign over all this because we don't understand how he can be good and still let this happen. So maybe one of them is not true. And maybe we need to stop toying with this idea that everything happens for a reason. And listen, if you're there this morning, I, I want to say, listen, I, I understand the pain and frustration that can lead you to this place. But I want to lovingly argue that this is what the Bible says, but further, that this is the best news we could imagine in the midst of suffering. The Bible speaks to those who suffer according to God's will. The Bible says that God is utterly and completely sovereign, even over suffering, the Bible also says that our choices have real value and meaning. The Bible says that God is working all things out for our good and for his glory. Now, do we understand how all that works together? No. Do we understand exactly what God's purpose is by allowing or determining suffering? No, we often, we often don't. But the Bible does teach it, and we must affirm it. We don't understand everything about the Trinity um, but we affirm it. We don't understand everything about Jesus being fully God and fully man, and how does that work, and how is that even possible? We affirm it. 
We don't understand how our suffering can ultimately work out for our good and God's glory in his design, but we affirm it. Because here is what the Bible teaches. God is faithful in the exercise of his sovereignty for our good and for his glory. And listen, this is what, that, what this means. If that is true, if God is the sovereign creator and architect of all, and if he is ultimately faithful to us, here's what this means. That no suffering is ever meaningless. No suffering is ever Meaningless. Every hurt and ache and pain on the road of following Jesus is doing something. It is worth something. On that verse, Piper comments this. Not only is all of your affliction momentary, not only is all of your affliction light in comparison to eternity and the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. Every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or fallen man, every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory that you will see because of that. I don't care if it was cancer or criticism. I don't care if it was slander or sickness. It wasn't meaningless. It's doing something. It's not meaningless. Of course, you can't see right now what it's doing, but don't look, the apostle says, to what is seen. When your mom dies, when your kid dies, you've got cancer at 40. When a car careens into the sidewalk and takes her out, you don't say that's just meaningless because it's not. It is working for you an eternal weight of glory. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Take these truths day by day and focus on them. Preach them to yourself every morning. Get alone with God and preach his word until your mind sings with confidence that you are loved and cared for. Uh, beginning of 2015 for my family started with uh, following an ambulance with my son in it um, on the way to the, the hospital after my son had just fallen and had a seizure. He hit the back of his head and had a seizure, and so the paramedics were not sure um, what happened. Uh, they weren't sure if he had fallen, and the head trauma caused the seizure, which was way more serious, or somehow if he just had a seizure for or another reason. Um, it could have been as simple as just a febrile seizure, a fever-induced seizure, but we didn't know any of that. And so I remember being in a car with Tom uh, following um, an ambulance on the way to the hospital with, with this startling moment of clarity as we turned off of I-10. And I remember this is the moment of clarity I had. This is the moment. I thought, either this is all true or everything is meaningless. Either everything that I've heard about God in his word and his promises is real and true, or this is just meaningless. And I remember in my heart, struggling and, and wanting to believe and saying, God, help my unbelief, but feeling kind of the chasm on the other side of bitterness and hurt and resentment. And in that moment, um, I just, I just prayed, God, help me. 
Listen, maybe you're there today. Maybe you feel those things. Maybe on the one side you feel like, okay, maybe this is true. Maybe God really is this faithful. Or maybe it's just meaningless. I want to encourage you, friend, to do what John Piper is describing here and allow the Bible to lift your eyes from your circumstances to behold a faithful creator who causes, Romans 8, 28 says, all things, not just some things, not just the good things, but causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. By God's grace, my my son was fine. It was only a fever-induced seizure, but that moment has remained with me, and I feel that as I read this text. In that moment, Peter calls us to do something. He calls us to entrust your soul to a faithful creator. See, this word entrust is an action. See, in suffering, we often feel like we can't do anything. We feel powerless. We pray, God, God, take this away. Help me, help me. But in fact, there is always something we can do. And in fact, we must do this. We must do something active. We must entrust our souls to a faithful creator. It takes in that moment going, listen, God, I feel my unbelief in this moment, but God, help me to take my soul, my son's soul, my family's souls, and help us to entrust them to you. Get to that moment where you must actively exercise faith in the face of suffering. This is what God's word calls us to. And I want to just encourage you with this as well. Um, Remember who is writing this, friends. Peter, the apostle, is writing from Rome under the reign of the emperor Nero. He's writing as rumors of persecution are growing and beginning, um, and people are likely calling the apostle uh, and and telling him, listen, you got to get out of Rome. You got to get out of here. If you stay here, you're going to die. And Peter stays. He stays until his death under Nero. He stays until Christians are being torn apart in the Colosseum, thousands cheer. And with his own death, coming closer and closer, Peter says this, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. See, Peter says this, not because he's blocking out reality, but because he's taking in more of it, because he remembers He remembers when the worst circumstances imaginable happened. He remembers watching the Son of God be betrayed. He remembers watching the Son of God be killed. He remembers that moment of utter hopelessness when all of the hopes and dreams everyone had been harboring that this was the one to save us died with him on the cross. And it felt meaningless. Only... Three days later, to have women run from the tomb and announce he is not there. Up until that moment when the Savior appeared and Peter fell at his feet and he knew in a moment 
that that suffering had done more than he could have ever imagined. So as Peter stares at the suffering that may be coming for him and for the people in Rome, he knows one thing. He's a faithful creator. And I will entrust my soul to him. So friend, where are you at today? Where are you at today? Um, if this has been something that's a recent struggle for you, um, I want to encourage you today. We're going to provide a moment here at the end. I want to encourage you to have a moment with the Lord and be honest. Um, it's okay to talk to him honestly and to pour out your heart. But I, I want to encourage you that even if your hands feel feeble, to ask God for faith and by faith to entrust your soul to him. Um, there's one last point I want to make here um, before we have that moment together. And it's just simply that not only are we to look up, we're also to look out. He says, entrust your soul to a faithful creator while doing good. Surprisingly, he, he ends the letter in some ways looking out at the world around him, looking out at the people that are persecuting the church and says, do good. This is a theme throughout the whole letter. In 1 Peter 2, we see that God has called us out of darkness to proclaim the light of the gospel. And so how do we do that? Well, we do that by doing good. And there's two ways we do good in the book of 1 Peter. We do good by demonstrating who Jesus is and what he's done. First of all, we, we live differently the way that Jesus lived, even in the face of persecution and suffering. Peter says, do good to those over you in authority. Do good even to those who oppress you or hurt you. Do good um, as husbands and wives to one another so you're an example for the world around you. Do good to those in the body of Christ. All of these things are ways we demonstrate the reality of the fact that this hope is sunk into our hearts, that even in the face of suffering, we do good to those around us. And second, we do good by declaring who Jesus is and what he's done. In 1 Peter 3.15 Peter says, always be prepared. Always be prepared, even in suffering, even in hardship, to make a defense or to give an answer to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. See, Peter wants them to live such provoking lives as they're being hurt and oppressed and punished and, and as they suffer, that people around them go, what is going on? And he says, in that moment, share the hope that you have within you, that hope of Jesus. See, suffering often seems like the last place on earth we want to declare Jesus or to demonstrate Jesus, but in God's providence, we are often provided with a perfect opportunity so that others who think life is meaningless and suffering is meaningless can find hope and help in the Lord. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. something that many people have little of, and yet we clamor for the latest this or that, believing that our longing for hope will be fulfilled. Pastor Ricky will be teaching through the book of 1 Peter here on Better News Radio. We'll learn that hope is something that is beyond this world, and that our lives will become holy once we hope in the eternal. For more information, email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. 
Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at betternewsradio.com. That's betternewsradio.com. You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events on our website. We also encourage you to follow the Better News Radio Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio. Better News Radio.